forever blowing bubbles Pretty bubbles in the air They fly so high Nearly reach the sky Then like my dreams They fade and die I'm forever blowing bubbles, <laughs> pretty bubbles in the air. <laughs> Look, these are my dreams. Cut it out. Kind of people are these. Don't understand a dream. Cry out loud. I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high, nearly reach the sky. Then, like my dreams, they fade and die. All right. Don't you understand? I mean, each man within his own little way, in his own small orbit that he spins, has somewhere inside... I'm forever blowing bubbles. Oh, what great lyrics. They're all pretty bubbles in the air. <laughs> yes, I know. You know, uh, speaking of uh, dreams, For those of you who wondered what happened last night, uh, that was another story. I was on tape last night, which isn't very often. You know, speaking of being on tape, I have a vague, just a vague suspicion that almost all of us have a terrible desire to have our life taped so that we could be on tape and be somewhere else. And by the way, by being on tape, we could also be edited so that all the dull parts are cut out. All the uh, meaningless parts are cut out, you know. You know what I mean, meaningless walking around, scratching and spilling coffee and arguing and flubbing around, you know. You know, you know what I mean by life, just fooling around, you know how it goes quietly? If all that stuff was cut out, that was put into beautiful, clean-cut scenes, you know what I mean? Just at that right, proper, precise moment, you come out with a crusher, turn on your heel, blackout, pow. Blackout. And then the next scene, you're, you're shown walking into the office with a beautiful look in the eye, the kind of look that Gregory Peck gets. He's about to take out the natives. Gregory Peck walks in. No, you, you see. Gregory and or slash you. A few quick, beautiful comments. The girl looks at you with great admiring eyes. You turn, crush out a cigarette next to the water cooler, and stride into the automatic elevator. Cut. Blackout. Pow. Your life edited. You don't spend any time in those pictures down at the tailor's or at the 
cleaners or the automatic laundry or waiting in line for a bus or none of that jazz. You know, speaking of dreams and being on tape, the reason I was on tape last night was because I was one of the marchers in the big Washington demonstration yesterday. And this, this experience was probably one of the two or three most intriguing... I, I, the words are very difficult to use here. This experience was undoubtedly one of the most... Such a word as interesting does not really mean much in this case. To use the word significant doesn't mean much either, because significant of what? Uh, let's just say it was one of the two or three most difficult to assay way put into perspective days that I have ever experienced in my life. One of the two or three days. The only, the, the, the closest day that I can think of in my experience was uh, VE Day or maybe even VJ Day to the tenor, the tone, the quality of what went on and the way the people were. Now, I went down on this thing very specifically as just a, a marcher, just one of the people in a, in a delegation, because I have learned through long experience and hard experience that the only real way that you ever get to have even a vague understanding about events is by, if you can possibly, be part of or in a, a large group or in the group or be in with the people to whom the event is occurring. I, I, I wonder just how much a newsman ever learns about anything standing up on the platform. I'm curious. I, I listened to a lot of jazz yesterday from the newsmen and almost all of them were up on the platform. They were in the news section, which was very, very, very much roped off from the great herd of people who walked along the streets. Uh, the, the great multitude who gathered under the trees and who pushed up through past the coke stands and finally stood in front of the Lincoln Memorial. I didn't see many newsmen in that crowd. In fact, I don't recall seeing one newsman in that crowd. Another thing that I found very interesting was, well, you know, so many things happened that, that I, I'm at a loss. For one thing, going down on the bus, we left 47th Street. I rode on a bus with maybe 200,000 other people all riding on buses towards Washington, D.C. And one of the one of the great things that happened was not oh not more than fifteen or twenty minutes after we got on the road with the bus, other buses started to pass us in the darkness. We had a, a very old terrible bus, <laughs> and you know uh, yeah I'll tell you have you ever ridden on a bus a cross town bus all the way to Washington? I'm serious. A lot of people did. The bus that was with us was a cross-town bus. They just took the cross-town sign out, and everybody sat on those plastic seats and went all the way to Washington and back. And I mean, there wasn't an uh, available inch in those buses that was not used. Lunches, and uh, there was all kinds of stuff, you know, just stuff to sit on and fans to wipe the sweat off your brow. And hot, oh boy. Well, we went, we started out. It was just a fantastic experience. That's all I can say. It was a, it was a fantasy in so many ways. 
there are a few occasions when your lifetime, when you are reminded of the fact of, of how diverse humanity really is. On the one hand, they are capable of the, of the most incredible humanity. I hate to use such a word as humanity applied to human beings, but I, I say that probably only a squirrel is capable of humanity and his attitude towards people. But they are capable of things which you could not believe after having lived in an urban world in the 20th century. And, of course, they're capable of the other. You keep seeing the other superimposed in your own mind. The other. You know what I mean by the other. But let me say, we were out on the road not more than, oh, maybe 20 minutes. And people were in a strange mood. Uh, to begin with, I thought at first, being, you know, thinking about this thing for weeks in advance, I had thought about it. I, I had talked with guys who were planning to go and arranging this thing that I had, I had had all kinds of ideas in my mind about the way it would be. Just like all of us have ideas in our head about how history is. I'm sure you have ideas about how it must have been like to be in Germany in the 20s. Well, it wasn't. Not the way you think it was. I'm sure you probably thought that you have ideas of how it must have been like at the time Washington was crossing the Delaware. Forget it, it wasn't. It wasn't the way you think it was. I was not there. I just know one thing. It wasn't the way you think it was. Uh, and I have found that very few things are the way you think they are. I say that in caps. Uh, Nigeria. I spent uh, a little time in Nigeria. It isn't the way you think it is. Let me tell you one thing about Nigeria. I'd, I'd like to do some shows on Nigeria again. Uh, it's, uh, again, an almost incredible friendliness. that you find this so? You know, the people in Nigeria, incredible. So much so that you're on your guard immediately. <laughs> you really are. It's a funny thing about people. They're never on their guard when they are being taken apart. Uh, in short, when we meet the unfriendly, we're not only not on our guard, we are expecting it. And we accept that as the norm. The other we're worried about. Well, let me say one of the great moments was to be riding along in this bus in the sort of semi-dark. It's getting to be dawn now. Everybody's feeling rotten and tired. And there's a wild sort of peculiar excitement of the unknown. No one knew quite what to expect. And what was, I thought, quite significant, no one even talked about the event to which we were going. Now that, I, I think, is interesting. I, I waited. I listened. I listened carefully. Nobody said a word about it. They talked about the bus. They talked about the, the uh, sun out there. They talked about the dawn coming up. They talked about the lunch they were carrying. They talked about their shoes hurting. They talked about everything. It was as though nobody wanted to talk about where we were going and why. And particularly the people who were really deeply involved in it, the Negroes we had with us. I'm going to say right offhand, some of the greatest people I've ever known in my life. Well, that's another story. That goes back to Nigeria and other, other areas of life and existence, and we can't go into that. But driving along through the darkness in the morning when the sun is coming up over the edges of the horizon, we're whistling along that turnpike, and the bus had a, had a governor on it. Uh, Crosstown buses do, you know, and this bus had a governor, and it had a fat Crosstown bus driver driving it, and he was hollering, you know, for transfers and stuff all the way, and he just, just normally, you know, and, and, and he was <laughs> he was ducking imaginary cabs all the way up there and so on, but we're going along the Jersey Turnpike, and we weren't out on the Turnpike more than five minutes 
when other buses started to pass us in the darkness. The peculiar rapport between the buses was insane. That our buses lumber, you know, it's obvious that you're not going to see a crosstown bus out on the Jersey Turnpike heading south unless there's something going on. You know, this bus was just not the bus headed for Paramus. Well, we're going along there, and in the darkness, you see, whoo, a bus would go past, and instantly you'd see all these hands out the window waving at our bus. Our bus is waving at them. Great moment, and, and after a while, you got so that it was just, just normal. A train went past us at one point. There was a train when we got down past off the Jersey Turnpike and over past Philadelphia and on through Delaware. We were skirting a railroad track. And a train went past with uh, maybe eight or nine or ten cars loaded to the gunnels with people. And the whole train was waving at our bus. And we're waving at the train. And the crew was waving out of the front of the, uh, front of the locomotive. I'm, I'm just describing to you what, what exactly happened. Well, we arrived on the outskirts of Washington. By the way, this is WORAM at FM New York. And everybody was a little... Uh, now they begin to talk about, wow, I, I, I bet we're going to be late. That, they never once talked about the event even when we got there. Wow, I bet we're going to be late. Boy, what a traffic jam. This is going to be, it's going to be a terrible traffic jam. Well, I, I must say parenthetically, I have never in my life, including several big operations in the Army, uh, including a, a, a lot of organization I've seen in various other armed services and great events that happen in other cities. I've never seen anything like the way the city of Washington handled this thing. Absolutely. A, it, it, it'll be, I imagine in the end, this is going to be a picture book classic among control and preparation for a vast event. Fantastic. And not only that, this is another thing. Every last man that I saw involved in this situation, the police, the MPs, the Red Cross people, were in the most wildly great holiday mood. You, can't, you just don't expect it from officials, you know? Cops waving and hollering at you and the whole business, everybody cheering and you come in. Well, we came into Washington. I don't know how much of this has been reported. I haven't seen much of it reported in the press. Well, I think because very few reporters came in as a marcher. That's right. We, I know. They went in days before, stayed at the hotel, and that morning they took the big cab down to the Washington Monument, or they took the cab down to the Lincoln Memorial and sat behind the ropes and started a report. Oh, boy. No wonder history, the point is always missed about what happens. I'll tell you. Well, we, we came into the city, and one of the, one, of the, one of the moments I will never in my life forget, I just won't, I know it, was coming into the outskirts of Washington in this bus. A lot of people tired. Boy, have you ever ridden six hours on a, on a crosstown bus? Wow. And that seat is like a rock. And we're sweating and the sun is beating down. And we arrived in Washington and the, the police met the bus immediately. All the buses were lined up for blocks. They stopped them at the outskirts of Washington and they took groups of six with a police escort to the proper place where they were to go. Each group of six buses was assigned a place. It was fantastic. And there was a cop waiting there with a white helmet. He took you in. All right, let's go now. Come on. And we went. And, and what was intriguing was to find slowly everybody in the bus is beginning to thaw. Up to this point, they'd expected, you know, people, officialdom and all that. And they found that the officialdom was as, was, was as much on their side as anybody. Everybody's going, let's go. We, we took off. We're riding along 
one of the main one of the main uh, streets through the slums, by the way, of Washington. And here were here were hundreds of people on the steps, little old ladies, grandmas, skinny kids, tough-looking guys who worked as garage mechanics, nuns. Everywhere we went, they're sitting on the porch waving. With the greatest, not not the not the kind of waving that says "Go on in and give them hell," just but a strange, happy, "We're glad you're here" waving, and gee, you know, hi, how are you? You know, just a, a unbelievable feeling all the way through, and they're all out there in the steps and streets, waving, and everybody in the bus, of course, is waving, and we finally arrived down at the place where we're parked, and this this was uh, was a strange moment. We arrived at the place where we were parking. Thousands of buses, and, you know, we're all confused, and they took us a couple of times around the block, and finally we arrived on a side street at 20th and E, wherever the devil that is. And we arrived at 20th and E, and we're parked, and we get out, and everybody is stiff. Oh, boy, everybody was stiff, you know. We'd stopped a couple of times at gas stations on the way down. Everybody's sort of walking around stiff-legged, bent over sideways, you know. <laughs> the back of your neck was hurting. And immediately, about 45 people instantly had to go to the john, immediately, which is always what happens when everybody gets off the bus. We sort of walked around, and somebody says, well, let's go to that building over there. There was a big, gray, official-looking building standing to our right, just a very official building. And people started to go down into the driveway of this official building, that had big trucks, just ordinary trucks, and guys working in there. They were not connected with the, with the demonstration or anything, just a building working, you see. And the instant the people started to show up, it was a wild moment. They're escorting everybody in to where they can get water. Do you want any coffee? They're cheering you out. Come on. And walk through there, and we, we went in, and everybody was getting water. And we came back out. It was a very odd experience to have people really concerned about you. They really were worried. They were saying, "Gee, do you want to sit down? Do you want to? How about some coffee? Hey, get some coffee." And they were, all, and, and they were just in a building. Well, we we walked out, and then out out on the street, we started to go to the to the area where we were all going to assemble. Uh, we were all going to assemble where our group was. Uh, our group was to go through and and to march down. Uh, I don't even remember the streets they marched down. But it was not at all the way I would have imagined or, or have imagined a demonstration or any of this kind of thing to be like. Everybody's very, you're walking on the street and it's, it's like you are suddenly with a million old friends. It was like a family reunion. A strange uh, feeling of, uh, and there wasn't one moment that, that was phony at all about it. I had people step on my foot and say, "Oh, for heaven's sakes, excuse me!" You know, <laughs> I had a man. I had a man standing in front of me when there was a, a big thing going on. He says, "Can you see now?" And and one of the great moments when we we, we walked through the the grove of trees and we we start to walk along the 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 the, uh, the the street. I met a lot of old friends, and what really intrigued me was the number of people who didn't come. I will not mention that, <laughs> but I sure was amazed by the absence of many people who I'd heard do a lot of talking prior to this moment, and they just weren't there. And a lot of people who never said a word are there. That's what really uh, was very intriguing. You know, you never can tell who the people are in any world. I don't care what world it is, a football game, whether you're, whether you're, uh, whether you're playing cards, whether you need money. You sure can't tell who it's going to be who's going to come across. Let me tell you that. Any old GI will tell you that story. That there are a lot of awful tough commandos in basic training. 
there are a lot of guys that can go up those fences like mad, and there are a lot of men who, who, who can shout commands and all that. It's an interesting thing who it is who comes across when the real stuff is flying in the air. <laughs> it really is intriguing. Well, we're walking along. You never can tell them either. Don't think for a minute. You know who it would be. You do not know. I'm sorry, you don't. You don't know who your friends are. You don't know who your enemies are. But we're walking along the street and everybody's together and, and, and oh and one more thing has to be pointed out a man told me just when we were walking and, and he was a negro by the way and, a, and an old friend of mine he says you know he says I wish my cousin who lives in Paris could see this could be part of this he would never understand it though he says this is a purely American thing he says the headlines he says you know you read a headline about another country you don't understand it because you're not Vietnamese you know you just don't know. You just don't know what is happening in Belgium because you're not Belgian, you know. It's, it's very difficult to know. And it is very difficult for a European to understand this. It really, I'm sure it is. And so we're walking along and, and uh, everybody's sort of standing along the sidelines waving. There are thousands and thousands of white people and colored people. Everybody's just standing there. Guys in offices are cheering up and, and waving. Nobody reported on this. That all along the line of march, guys are standing in offices waving, and, and I want to go on, on record as saying beforehand, during the entire day, I did not hear one word that I could construe as being the kind of word that you would hear in demonstrations. I did not see one moment that I could call a moment that gave me one, one even instant feeling of uh, imminent uh, rabble-rousing or any of this stuff. It was just an amazing attitude towards everything. And you know, uh, uh, I hate to use such words as love. These are, these are ridiculous, meaningless words. But there was a feeling of humanity in the air, like we're all in something together. And, and that's exactly what happened. Even the guys who, I'm sure there must have been some guys in the offices and that, who felt the opposite way and suddenly realized how idiotic they were. You know, it was just a strange moment. And we walked along through this crowd, and everybody's standing there waving and so on. And uh, we finally got, <laughs> it was funny that when we started, you never saw a more disorganized mess <laughs> messing around, shuffling. And we, we got to the place where, <laughs> it wasn't a parade, you know. I'm sure it's going to sound like a parade, you know. But it wasn't a parade. Nobody was hollering, what is your night? Nobody's yelling, nothing. Everybody's sort of walking along. The sun is coming down. Everybody's cheering, waving. And, and it was as though everybody knew, you know, that. Uh, and also there was a vague feeling of embarrassment in the air. It's just a vague feeling that, that uh, you know, it was like somebody has laid in a stock of all kinds of stuff. He's going to yell at his friend, uh, and he's, he's going to yell, he's going to holler, and he gets there. And, you know, it it's all goes out the window. It's just every sort of embarrassed, so we're walking along. We get to the park where the Lincoln Memorial is. Incidentally, I, 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 once again, it, it, it reaffirms in my mind, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in is Washington. I keep seeing this as a beautiful city, and... Uh, it's even prettier than it used to be. Uh, I went to school for a while near there and used to spend weekends in Washington. It's changed a great deal. And uh, we, we're coming through, and the, the sun is coming down through the trees, and millions of people are now gathering. And I don't know how they could estimate the number of people were there. I just don't understand how they come up with these nice, neat, round estimates. Again, this is the, the reporter at work. He's sitting up there, you know, on the Washington Monument, writing down. And I'm sure we're going to take some guy's attitude or his quick decision on who it is. And no doubt it's going to be the most authoritative newspapers 
version of who's, you know, of how many guesses, uh, there would be no way to estimate it. I have no idea how they ever came across estimating because buses were coming in from all directions, everywhere. People were everywhere, and and uh, it was just like a great big round, uh, just a sort of a big cloud. It was about as difficult as to tell how big a cloud is, or uh, how many drops are in this cloud. Just sort of a big thing, and we walked through, and then the, the push started to get rough. And up there on the Washington or the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, the crowd has, was gathered, and uh, we were we pushed down into the crowd. And uh, each place, you see, each delegation, if you can call it that, had a little place where it was supposed to be. Of course, it wasn't there. It was that went out the window with the cloud, and everybody's trying to get it. And they're walking around with their little signs and stuff. And suddenly, through the del through the crowd, is this little tiny band of people coming with a little sign that said Mississippi. That was really a moment. I'll tell you that was a moment. And everybody is hollering at him and talking, and they're laughing and hollering. It was kind of like a joke, too. It was kind of funny. And, and they're laughing and they're talking. And incidentally, I must go on record as saying, too, in that Mississippi group, there were more than just a few white people. That should be pointed out. And they're laughing, and everybody's laughing. They got their little signs in Mississippi, and people are hitting them on the back when they walk through. They they come all the way up on some crummy old bus, you know, or something. So they're there, and they're standing around there. Well, in the middle of it all, it's the greatest crowd I've ever been in my life. I'll tell you, I just never. I, it, it's a much greater crowd than you ever see at a ball game, which is supposed to be a fun thing, you know. Uh, oh, uh, much greater, much more, much much different thing. You, if you think you know about crowds, you don't know about it unless you've been in this one. In fact, a, a lady said to me, uh, a colored lady was standing next to me. We were talking for an hour about this, and she says, "You know," she says, "I, I just," she says, "You can't tell the folks. You just cannot tell them how it was." I don't know how I'm going to tell them how it was at home because you can't tell them how it was unless you were here. And then if you if you were here, you don't have to be told, you know. And and, and that's exactly the, the truth. And you know, she said one great line. She says, "You know, I think even Satan was moved today." What a line! <laughs> I can I can see Satan feeling very very embarrassed about all the rottenness he's been doing for years. You know, I'm sitting there, oh boy, I'm a rotten person. Well, well, uh, we're 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 all standing around in this great crowd, and this this you, it's going to sound like I invented this. Please listen carefully. This is exactly what happened. Uh, there was a man standing back of me that had a had a big white Panama hat on, and he he like so many of the demonstrators, it was obvious that that this was a very big moment for him, and he was all dressed up. So many of them were all all almost all the people. Did you know that? That's an interesting thing. That our delegation was told to wear a jacket, was told to wear a tie, white shirt, and uh, I mean because this is a this is a thing we're going to that's very important. And uh, so everybody was all dressed up. It was funny to see, as we came into Washington, all the guys putting their jackets on. <laughs> and, and it's hot. Oh, boy, was it hot on the bus. Putting their ties on, you know, trying to straighten up their collar and everything else. Because, you know, it was, we're going to think. Somebody said it was like going to church with 200,000 people. That's really what it was like. Well, standing back of me was a man, a great guy. We were, he, and he was sort of a sh little short, stout man, sweating like mad. And he had rimless glasses. And his rimless glasses were all clouded up because he was sweating. And everybody was pushing him. And he had his little signs. And the sign said, NAACP Boston Branch. 
And he's holding up, and he's holding up this thing. You know, it's a long way from Boston, believe me, to Washington in a bus. So he's holding that sign up there. And then Marian Anderson started to sing the Star Spangled Banner. And it, the push was so fantastic, you couldn't hardly... You could see nothing except those great white columns of the Lincoln Memorial standing over you. And back of you, all the way in the distance, you could see the Washington Monument standing up and that long pond. You saw that picture in the paper today? Well, I want to tell you, that picture does not even come close to even approximating what it was really like. How beautiful. That sky was fantastic. The clouds were white. And that great beautiful reflection of the of the Washington Monument laying across that water and all those people sitting there with their clothes on, all all, all dressed up, all oh, ladies with flowered hats and everybody else and the kids all shined and all everybody sitting. And it was it was just a moment where everybody's like all dressed up and everything was working fine. The trees were fine, the breeze was blowing. And once in a while a great big airplane would come across going to the Washington airport there and and he'd have his flaps down. And it was just like somehow everything was was there. It was all right. Well, this little fat man standing back of me, sweating profusely, and he's holding up his sign, and Marian Anderson started to sing the Star-Spangled Banner. And it was, you know, it's, it's the usual kind of Star-Spangled Banner where it's through a PA system, and we're so far away we could hardly hear, you know. And she's singing. You couldn't even uh, distinguish the words, but it was the Star-Spangled Banner. Everybody's standing there. And suddenly a lady about, oh, maybe, oh, five or six feet away, a lady with a colored, uh, a big red colored hat on with big white flowers, the official kind of lady, you know what I mean, by the club lady who's always organizing, see, this is a very club lady type, and she's a big colored lady, and she starts to say, well, the Brooklyn Corps representatives, please assemble over here, uh, please get over here, Brooklyn Corps representatives, and she's hollering in the middle of the Star Spangled Banner. Well, the guy behind me says, madam, madam, and she looks at him, what? He says, they're singing the Star-Spangled Banner. We usually are quiet during the singing of the Star-Spangled Banner, please. They're singing the Star-Spangled Banner. Well, she sat, just a funny look on her face for a minute, and she turns. Of course, the, the real organizer is not ever put off by anything such uh, so trivial as feelings or emotions. Well, she looked at him for a moment, and she turned, and he stood there sweating with his hat off, and they're singing the Star-Spangled Banner. I thought for a minute, what a fantastic moment. And don't anyone call up and say, Uncle Tom, stop it, man. Oh, you know not whereof you speak. Well, we were standing down that crowd, and it was just hot and sweating. And then they began to bring on one entertainer after the other. Well, this was the entertainment for the real thing. And in the middle of it all, they brought our delegation. Somebody, somebody decided to bring our delegation up, and, and they pulled our delegation around and brought it up up to the front through the ropes somehow because uh, every place had its own place to be and they found that we were in our wrong place we were we were between the plumbers and the the concrete workers and a catholic local from baltimore i don't know how we got there so we wound up in, a, in the right place and we're standing there and suddenly i got a new perspective on it because i'm looking at it from a very different direction and i can see all the newsmen they're very official roped off you couldn't get near them fascinating they're going to report on it and i suddenly see all these official showbiz types frantically running around getting photographed and somehow I had a that was the one discordant moment that I had 
in, in my own mind. I didn't see any of these great, uh, you know, these people who got their pictures in all the New York Times and all the papers. I didn't see one of those guys march. I'm sorry. I didn't see any of them do any of the stuff that all the poor little people who went down there to do did. And they're up there signing autographs and they're frantically standing in the way of newsreel cameras and getting their pictures taken, signing autographs as though somehow they vaguely were responsible for goodness, you know, they've come to put official stamp on goodness in the world, and everybody was watching them. They're signing autographs, and all the while, while they're signing autographs, uh, Martin Luther King is giving his talk, which was a brilliant speech, by the way. Martin Luther King is speaking, and these guys are standing around signing autographs, and the newsreel cameramen are taking their pictures. And all the while, Mr. King was giving a, a brilliant speech. Well, I, it, it, somehow I felt this was, this was just one of those things. And uh, what's so strange is uh, not many of these guys that I saw up there were, were really... And, and even some of the, uh, of the people who were, in a sense, you might say, uh, the, uh, well, a couple of Negro authors and a lot of real hard-hitting, angry types were up there, and it was as though all of show business had gathered, and they were autographing each other and loving each other and taking pictures with each other, and all the while the real people were sitting down in the great crowd eating fried chicken and really digging each other for the first time probably in, in, in certainly in a couple of hundred years in America. And uh, for one of the rare times in the world, I might also feel this is true. Not Nothing to do with American chauvinism, but it just happened that it was one of those days. And up there, you see business as usual with the celebs. You know, oh boy. And, and uh, I, if I had seen a couple of those guys marching, I would feel better about it. But I didn't see many of them do it. Uh, if, if they had been there without any name, without any... Uh, one guy I saw, and I will remember this, I saw him, a famous American author, sitting in a bush. And, yeah, in a bush. He was not out there autographing. He wasn't up on the Washington Monument getting uh, cheered or anything like that with the other guys. And I'm going through the bush, and there he's sitting there, and he says, Hey, Shep. And he made a couple of comments. He says, Boy, what a rotten beard. And I said, Yeah. And I said, What are you doing here? And he's sitting in the bush, and, 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 uh, in a bush, drinking a, drinking a Coke. And, and he's just sitting down there digging it. And I'm sure that in the end, this guy will know a lot more about what went on than those clowns who were up there on that great big platform. And I'm not trying to put him down. It was just somehow it was, it was wrong. You know, somehow I felt very, very, that was wrong. And then I learned something about this. One of the guys, this is an interesting thing, one of the guys who uh, organized the group that I was in, it's funny how, how you quickly can tell the honest from the dishonest when the, when the chips are down. The guy who had organized it, he's working like mad, and for weeks he's getting the thing. He gets us there, and he's shepherding the group around. It's really tough. And he, he was so concerned with shepherding us around there. Uh, he was an actor, by the way, that when he finally got us in position, the gates had locked and he didn't get in. And who do you think, and, and there is, is this woman who is not even involved, as far as I know, in organizing all that. Her pictures are the ones that are in all the papers about it, you know. She's in front of every sign, you know, waving. And the guy who really was doing something, he's not anywhere near there. No one even saw him during the whole thing. He was out there probably trying to get cokes for guys that had fainted, you know, that kind of thing. Well... The, 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 the whole thing was, I thought, a tremendously, uh, to me, uh, personally, a greatly, edu uh, really, a uh, genuine education. 
And uh, I've been involved with this sort of thing for a long time. I've, I've appeared on many programs off and on. That's, that's one of the things that always bothers me, is to find myself on a program with nine showbiz types who are trying out new material. You know, can you imagine trying out new material in human events? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, and, and I, 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 I've always felt a little sick about it. But, but yesterday, I, I found out something that I, I will, for a long time, it's going to be difficult to forget. And I'm sure that I will, unfortunately. This is the way we are. But among other things, remember one little incident, uh, the food incident. John Wingate. Did you hear about Wingate? Wingate, now, 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 you know John Wingate, you know the, the, the reporters, you know, they've got the best of everything, and, uh, and, well, they do, you know, they go down, they stay in a hotel, and this is just the way a reporter has to work, he's got a tight schedule, he's not like the other people. Well, Wingate is, is down there, in the, uh, coming down, he's been working all day long, and the newsman had a devil of a time, you know, sweating and everything else. And a large lady came up to him, and John is sort of standing there, and she offers John and gives John half of her lunch. She says, you know, you, you probably had a lot more work than I did. And here's this large colored lady with fl a flower dress is giving John the fried chicken. And, I, and, and John was, was absolutely, I knew this. John was, uh, this, uh, just the way things went on today, they knew they were at something more than a news event. I saw Lester Smith in the crowd, and Lester Smith was a, one of the few times I've seen him absolutely thrown off base. He's one of the calmest, best reporters I've ever known. And John said, "This is this uh, Lester. This this this." He says, "This is this is I, I, incredible, just incredible." Uh, and and the feeling uh, again is a, is a, is a feeling that I cannot describe to you. I'm so so glad that I went down there. Uh, some of the some of the funny little odd things that come along. A guy comes up to me, you know, and you you learn true motives of people too. And really, you know, oh boy, this guy comes up to me and he says, he says, you know, he says, Shep, he says, I'll tell you, oh, isn't this great? And I says, yeah. He says, oh man, look, it's great. He says, uh, by the way, he owns a place in town, a, a restaurant or something. He says, boy, isn't this great? He says, you know what I want to do? He says, I wanted to take an ad out. And says, I'm I'm knocking off work and I'm going down to this thing. I want to take an ad in the paper and put it in. And says, I'm knocking off work. He says, I'm sorry I didn't do it now. Uh, oh. <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, boy. And, and uh, the, the, uh, the feeling, and then coming back was an incredible thing. Coming back was even more in the way, I suppose, uh, it, it continued all day long. You know, it wasn't just sitting at the monument. And, and Washington, and, and the Lincoln Memorial probably was uh, never, never was more apropos. Never, and even the even the hard-bitten guys from Life magazine, the Time reporter. There was a guy named Kappa standing next to me, a famous Time reporter, and you could see it was a very funny feeling. It was not a news story. You know what I mean by news story? It was an experience, an actual experience. And so he's standing there looking down, and, and uh, everybody's looking around, and guys are hollering, their feet are hurting, and all the while, and the people are up there talking about human rights, and, every, and the human rights were being demonstrated. Everybody's, the, you know, the, the words somehow didn't have much meaning, really. It was what was going on that had meaning. And, and uh, it was just a, and, and everyone had a sense there, even the most militant, that the battle is damn near over.
Now, in spite of the fact that everyone knows there's a lot of work and a tremendous amount, but it was, it was, it was, it was like a, an affirmation of something that everyone had felt never could happen. And it was not just that it was held well. It was the attitude of everybody. It was just normal people on the streets. A great moment. I'll tell you that. Uh, it, was, it was a tremendously moving experience. And I've been involved in a lot of crowd movements before, and I'll tell you, I never, never had that kind of feeling. Coming back then, all the buses, uh, you, you, you would expect terrible disorganization immediately as soon as, no, it wasn't. Uh, we're, we're sort of drifting back in all the buses, and I'm sitting down on the, the, uh, the big pond there, sitting down on the basin, waiting for our bus, and, and uh, people are walking around, and they're, they're drinking Cokes, and they're... All, it was like a, it was like a great company picnic where everybody knew everybody else. You know, hi, hi you know, oh, and they're waving, talking, eating, and so on. And finally, the buses assembled, and one by one, you could see the buses take off. Well, our bus starts to go back out, going north this time instead of south, and we're going north, and we're cutting through town. And all along the way of the route, and this is late. It was about eight thirty, quarter to nine. There are people walking, waving at our bus. And they're just wait and our bus didn't have any big jazzy sign. It was just a busload of plain ordinary people sitting in there, and they're waving and they're hollering and and like you know, come on, great, great you, great you came, man. That kind of feeling. It wasn't a feeling of boy, we showed him, didn't we? It was a feeling of boy, and it was it was wonderful you came. And they just waved and they're grinning and and everybody, uh, uh, our bus is going out and people are riding along in the cars, just ordinary people, you know, white people, everybody, and they were all waving at the buses out of their cars as we're going and out we go we're going north this time out along the highway millions of buses one after the other one after the other a fantastic parade and in the end I'm sure it is a parade that no one will ever forget a truly a truly historic moment and and I don't think it is a historic moment politically either uh, it was a historic moment for a lot of people who did not conceive of people being this way it's a new concept for, for a moment there at least for a moment it was there and it and, and 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 it makes everybody that much more irritated when you get back into real life <laughs> uh, back into real life it's like people who were in the, in the crowd in bj they can't forget it uh people who were in a crowd during during a moment of of, of genuine rapport the minute you go back to the fist fight and the hollering and the yelling Somehow it tastes even bitterer, that fist fighting and hollering and yelling. And there's a strange, nostalgic feeling for that moment. You know, that great moment when everyone's passing the fried chicken around. And that sun is sitting up there, and they're singing the Star Spangled Banner. And that old man behind me is saying, but they're singing the Star Spangled Banner. We're usually quiet when they're singing the Star Spangled Banner, madam. Please, will you please...